Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're back. We are. Yes, this uh, episode of Lazy Doctor Who is brought to you by the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> Do explain. Uh, it was it was actually a joke. Uh, a, a friend of ours on uh, Twitter, it's uh, at Gonzaro, is that yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, was sort of pining that we hadn't done a uh, an episode of Lazy Doctor Who for a while and said, when will you do another one? And Stephen's answer was, when the Columbus Blue Jackets lose a game. Um, because he actually lives in Columbus and is a fan or in that area somewhere and is a Blue Jackets fan. And they were on a ridiculous streak that lasted like a month. 16 games. 16 games, yes, which we actually, of course, had no intention to stop podcasting during their winning streak. It just happened to coincide. The The last game that they lost was just right around the same time that we did our last episode. Well, it was, but our last... Um in the in this the classic series right. run because mm-hmm. we had done one when you watched um the last two episodes series one for verity right so we did that mm-hmm. but yeah we last uh, last episode for that was the airplane episode on the way to chicago tardis which is on doctor who day mm-hmm. and the blue jackets lost their last game i think I no, I think they started their winning streak on November 26th mm-hmm. 3 days after that and did not lose <laughs> until two or three games ago oddly enough they've lost two in a row now after winning 16 in a row mm-hmm. so we thought it's time <laughs> yeah it actually that, I'm, I'm not gonna lie that actually did kind of spur me on just the joke on twitter was like mm-hmm. well they've lost now so i feel like we are obligated to watch episode one of the gunfighters oh my god listener steven just opened his mouth really wide and his eyes and now he's waving his arm frantically in the air he's a very happy little puppy this is one of my favorite stories <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. Period. Not just William Hartnell stories. Favorite stories. And it's one that I've, um, I think we both have seen. Because you, I know I I watch it sometimes just for fun. And um, five odd years ago when it came out on the DVD, we did a thing on RFS about it with uh, Ed Stradling who did the um, documentary on this disc and Toby Hadoke, who's a big fan of the episode as well. So, like, there's so there's always been a bit of an aura for this one. But then Verity also did like a commentary or something one year, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. I think it was it might have been a Patreon reward or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I had not seen it before, I actually watched the story first and then. Uh, just so I would kind of know the story. I didn't want my first time watching it to be during a commentary. That would be awful. No. So um, so I watched it first and then I watched it again with the commentary. And it really was fun to do the commentary on this one because it's, you know, it's a kind of a silly story. So it worked very well for commentating on. So yeah, I've seen it before. And I, I am not a gunfighter's hater. I can see why people would. Uh, I'm certainly not a lover of it. I don't like Westerns. I've never liked that genre very much at all. So that doesn't do anything for me. Um, I think I'm growing to appreciate the comedy in it a little bit more. Uh, the first time I saw it was the was the first time I had seen anything quite so silly mm-hmm. in the William Hartnell era. Now I've seen some of the more, you know, like the Romans is, is definitely a bit of a, a bit of a comic romp as well. So... I'm I'm sort of used to Doctor Who dipping into that that zone, but I feel like this is so much farther along that I don't know experimental sort of stretch 
there's there's music there's mm-hmm. there's comedy there's the old west it's it does not feel like doctor who it's weird to have the opening theme tune and the closing theme tune come before and after respectively this old timey piano ballad it just feels like ah that's really strange you know because even when there's a, there's a historical episode or something usually the the music is not spacey or anything like that but it's stuff that's sort of within the realm of normal music for doctor who and so when you hear this song come up the ballad of the last chance saloon it does feel a little weird doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah i feel like one of the great things about doctor who is the fact that it can do anything and you know I don't like it when people say, oh, this is not Doctor Who, because that's there's there's nothing that's that. I mean, Doctor Who can kind of go anywhere and do anything. So, But I do recognize that there are a lot of pieces of Doctor Who that feel very different. Um, like I know Eric Stadnick from Doctor Who The Writer's Room and the Doctor Who Book Club, he often talks about um, a Tom Baker story that he feels doesn't feel like Doctor Who... Um, uh, Seeds of Doom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it feels more like a James Bond spy kind of a thing. The doctor's, you know, punching people out and stuff. It doesn't feel like... Anyway, it, which I, I understand, and I feel like this also doesn't feel like Doctor Who to me. It really doesn't. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, the musical episode of Buffy or something, where it's just... It's it's something that's a little bit out of the normal realm of the show, but I... I applaud them for doing it because I like it when shows try to stretch themselves. I would rather have, I'd rather have a TV show um, extending itself and reaching for something and not quite grasp it than just always be the same staid, boring thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people at the time didn't like this either. It apparently had a AI appreciation index at the time. Oh, shut up, phone. It used to oh, it, somebody tweeted. It used to be um, like nowadays in new series Doctor Who. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody just tweeted to respond. Are you kidding me? Your last episode was last year. I know. Yeah, technically it was. It was um, AI. Now is like you know in the 80s and 90s is sort of like really good. And I don't know if, if the way they measure it then has changed because if you look at AI from the day, usually at like Doctor Who would have around like 50, 55 maybe mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Gunfighters, I don't remember which episode it was, uh, it hit an all-time low of 30. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so the people who made it sort of took note of this. And so the Gunfighters is kind of the reason why they eventually killed off the true historicals mm. there would only be two more after this and then that'd be it oh my god they took the wrong lesson that's 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 kind of ridiculous because i mean unless the other historicals also had really low ais but i don't know to me the thing that feels like it makes it so different from some of the other ones is the fact that it's set in america and it's the old west mm. and it's a farce i mean it's just it's silly and ridiculous in a way mm-hmm. it, it goes farther i think than anything that we'd seen up until this point and i think maybe that's why people didn't like it i'm just guessing i don't know i think also the you know by now and this lloyd is sort of coming in and he wanted to sort of like put his stamp on the program and i think they were just sort of wanting to shift doctor who away from sort of the historical and go more towards the science and the science fiction kind of thing i'm just talking about the appreciation index here oh i see i'm sorry Mm -hmm. um maybe audiences were like thinking hey we want futuristic science fiction Mm -hmm. action i'm not sure what audiences Mm -hmm. want but i think though that modern day 
appreciation of this story took up kicking. Um, there was a book called Doctor Who, a celebration, 20th anniversary book. It came out in 1983, written by Peter Haining. And in it, in the back of the book, it's one of my first Doctor Who books that I got too, uh, Jeremy Bentham, Lord Bentham, who uh, who was like sort of like the patron saint of um, of Doctor Who fandom in those days. Like, you know, was one of those old, he was an old school fanboy when he was a young fanboy, let's put it that way. And he wrote at the back of the book, his sort of like, little mini review of each story including the missing ones and he basically just completely panned the gunfires as the worst thing of all time this is 1983 none of these had even been syndicated in the u.s i think the mid 85 86 is when they started sending the hartnell stuff over to the to um north america so it's basically people remembering it in australia or remembering it upon the original broadcast so people based their reaction, I think, on the received fan wisdom of Jeremy Bentham and others like him. So I think that sort of attitude towards it sort of kept going up until, I want to say, about the DVD release, and I think people are starting to reappraise it. Huh. Yeah. So there, that's my little tale about that. What do you think about this? I, I like it more now, I mm-hmm. think. Um, watching it in context is definitely definitely better. Um, yeah, the the... The fact that it's a comedy and that I'm going into it knowing that it's a comedy and having seen it before is definitely helpful. And I think, man, Peter Purvis is just amazing in this. He is so good. His comic timing is perfect. And, you know, every his physical comedy is mm-hmm. great. Like when he, you know, stumbles into the bar a little bit um, or at the end when he's singing and he turns toward one of the guys and there's a gun in his face and like he turns back really fast. That was that was amazing. The thing that I didn't like was him playing with the guns at the beginning when they mm-hmm. come out in their ridiculous get-ups. Uh, Steven's, Steven's smarter than that and I don't like it when they dumb the characters down to get the comedy. Right. So the fact that he's, first of all, pointing a gun at the doctor, mm-hmm. which that's just a thing that you don't do even if it's not loaded and he's, you know, he's a futuristic laser gun guy like he should know that uh and then he's flipping it around and he drops it and it goes off i mean we could have had the end of the story right there he could have killed the doctor and and that would have been it it went off because Wyatt Earp shot it out of his hand didn't he oh yeah that's right i think for a second i thought he had dropped it and it had gone off so it was loaded okay so maybe at least it wasn't loaded as far as he knew but still didn't didn't like that maybe maybe he just assumed being uh you know, someone from the space year 2400 or whatever year he's from. Maybe he just thought it was like a toy, you know, something old like that. From the Doctor's personal collection that he has, by the way. Yeah, which I've heard people say, like, wow, the Doctor has a collection of guns. There's nothing in here that says the Doctor has a collection of guns. That is headcanon, people. No, we actually said that's from one of my, from my favorite collection. My favorite collection. He did not say it was a favorite collection of guns. Oh. It could just be a collection of relics from the Old West. I mean, maybe it's, you know, a couple of guns mm-hmm. and a saddle and, you know, that kind of thing. There's there's nothing that says guns. Or maybe he, it is guns mm-hmm. and he uses it as his, basically his little trophy room of look at all these people through history that I've disarmed. That's possible. But, you know, <laughs> what... I'm just saying that whatever it is mm-hmm. that that any person believes it is, that is what we call headcanon. That is something that is not shown mm-hmm. on the screen. It's not ever like told in the canon. So anybody who writes an essay or you know talks about something, saying that the doctor actually has or at one point had a collection of guns, mm-hmm. that's something they made up in their head. 
I'm just saying that that kind of thing really bothers me when people because I've heard people sort of get huffy about the fact that the doctor had a collection of guns or use that as fodder for an argument talking about how the doctor never uses guns, Mm -hmm. you know, on the other side. And yeah, people there's there's nothing in the canon that actually says that that's the case. So I'm going to I'm I'm staying on my soapbox on this one. That's that's the case. You are you Mm -hmm. have this is something that's clearly important to you. I will not argue with you on this. Thank you. Yeah. You, you shouldn't because I'm right. <laughs> I know. Anything else uh, you want to say about this before um, we end this episode and do not watch another episode because we now have new Xbox Ones in the house <laughs> that we play games together on. So that's another reason why perhaps that in the holidays and stuff this is why we haven't done an episode in about a month. But um more will return. Uh, anything else about this one? I also want to give a shout out to Jackie Lane for mm-hmm. for Dodo, who usually is weird and bothers me, but here she's she's still weird, but she doesn't bother me so much. She had a wonderful moment when the bartender is saying that you know we have another singer, but she's usually out if you know what I mean. And she just she makes the cutest like little crinkled face and says, "I think so." And you, <laughs> she totally doesn't get it. It's a adorable it is it's one of the that's like one of the most primo moments of this uh of this episode and i think that might be my favorite favorite dodo moment ever <laughs> and willie hartnell does the great comedy bits too with the bit where they're handing him the gun he's like mm-hmm. going back and forth mm-hmm. you know pointing at people and you know mm-hmm. tooth and all that and that yeah. he's he's good at it but that is that is not my kind of of comedy sort of the broad physical like that kind of thing doesn't do it for me it's it's subtle reactions are certainly more my speed I, well i just like it that he's he plays it like the bumbling but he doesn't act like he's bumbling he's so at ease with the comedy in this episode mm-hmm. that all the tales of oh hartnell was forgetting his lines and he was ill and he just wasn't you look at him in these four episodes and he's just he mm-hmm. is still on top of his game as an actor oh yeah and like the moment where he says you know we'll see you later mr mr warp that was not that that did not strike me at all as like a as a as a billy fluff as they call him like that i i thought it was very clear that he did that on purpose oh he does it throughout the spoiler he does it throughout the four episodes oh i know yeah yeah so so yeah that's that that is not something that i would point to and say Mm -hmm. see he's forgetting his lines i would that's something i'd point to and be like no he's hilarious and he's he's being great yeah Mm -hmm. that's another reason why i like the story so much because I, I look at this almost in in a way as sort of the last hurrah for William Hartnell's Doctor. Even though he has like five stories after this, <laughs> this is kind of the, the where he goes on, on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I do, I feel like, you know, as as a U.S. citizen, mm-hmm. it is my, my national duty okay. to complain about the accents. <laughs> All right. Go, uh, go for it. Oh, just, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to do it. Uh, the very first scene where you get the, the three guys riding into town, I think maybe it's just because they were on horses, so they were concentrating on keeping the horses in place. Mm-hmm. Their accents are terrible. Actually, no, their accents aren't terrible because they're not, they don't have any fake accents. They just sound like British people <laughs> in that very first scene. It's, it's much different uh, in the scene in the bars, all of their voices have changed it's, by then. It's funny. It's not the first, and it certainly won't be the last time when stuff done in pre-filming before the story is different from what they do in mm-hmm. in the actual studio. So I imagine they probably, yeah, let's work on those accents after that. After they saw the rushes, perhaps. Although I will say that I don't know if any of the Clantons, the three Clantons, are. I think one might have. Um, but the person who plays Seth Harper. 
is a Canadian actor by the name of Shane Rimmer. And the guy who plays Wyatt Earp, John Alderston, I think his name is, is either um, American or a British person who worked in America for most of the time and basically came back and was in town for this, basically. Mm -hmm. So they did actually do their best to sort of cast American or North Mm -hmm. American actors sort of to play those parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I thought that that, uh, Earp was very good and yeah, Shane Rimmer was was fine. It was just I, the thing that I noticed the most was the the discrepancy between the mm. first two scenes with with the uh, Clampett brothers. Because at first I was just like, wow, they just sound like British. You said Clampett. Oh, what is it again? Clanton. Clanton with Clampett. Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> well, if it, honestly, the humor in this is striking me in some somewhat the same way as some of those episodes. I watched a lot of Beverly Hillbillies yeah. growing up. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And, and what's her face? She looks a little like Ellie Mae. Oh, the hair is a little similar. <laughs> I I don't remember. And that and so, that show had a very catchy theme song as well. It's, that's there's, true. Honestly, they're just like sister shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's shaking his head. Exactly. No, I'm I'm shaking my head in agreement with you. If that's <laughs> a thing that makes sense. Yep. All right. We done for this one? I think so. Okay. I look forward to episode two. Don't shoot the pianist. Coming on the next episode of Lazy Doctor Who, hopefully not a month after this one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not next year. <laughs> hopefully not next year. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.